This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks in the world. From bestsellers like Harry Potter to The Martian or to the Heir to the Empire series by Timothy Zahn, a must-read for any Star Wars fan, and even books by some of the most well-known geeks in the world like You're Never Weird on the Internet by Felicia Day, or you can listen to Ready Player One read by Will Wheaton, or you can even listen to Tim Ferriss read The 4-Hour Workweek and The 4-Hour Body. With over 180,000 titles to choose from and thousands more on the way, Audible is the go-to source for audiobooks. You can download them on your iPhone, iPad, Android device, and even Windows phones, as well as listen on your laptop. For a 30-day free trial of Audible, which gives you an instant plus three to intelligence, head over to www.audibletrial.com backslash sidequest and start your free trial today. Again, for a plus three to intelligence, head over to www.audibletrial.com backslash sidequest. Hey guys, welcome to a brand new episode of SideQuest Podcast. Listen in and level up your life. In this episode of Coach's Corner, we talk about programming, specifically programming for athletes and general population, how it differs, different things uh, that we actually use and don't use with clients, uh, for instance, like overhead pressing, uh, when you can do that, uh, as well as some shenanigans that we get into. Uh, this really is a great episode. We talk about a lot of really cool stuff. If you're not following me on Twitter, head over and follow me at SideQuestFM. You can follow me at Instagram as well at SideQuestFM. Head over to Facebook and look for SideQuest Fitness. Search for it up in the bar. Like the page there. Get updates on articles, uh, podcast episodes, and much, much more. And also head over to Snapchat. Snap me at Robbie Farlow at R-O-B-B-I-E-F-A-R-L-O-W. And follow me on Snapchat. Ask me your questions. I'm there to answer any questions you might have, uh, as well as sing, dance, lift weights, and do crazy things on Snapchat. Thank you guys for listening. If you love this episode, please head to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the episode. Like the podcast and leave a review. All right. Without further ado, let's get into the February episode of Coach's Corner. Hey guys, welcome to the February episode of Coach's Corner. I have a fantastic lineup tonight. The one and only Travis Pollan is here, hanging out to chat. Tanner Bays is doing ridiculous things with his face right now. Uh, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, I, I think he was trying to motorboat uh, the screen. Motorboat to both of you. <laughs> I mean, my chest is getting pretty impressive. I'm not, not gonna lie. The, there you go. The spectacles are getting are getting spectacular. Uh, Matt Dustin is back from the East Coast, back on the West Coast. He is joining us as well. And uh, I should probably be mad at him because his team beat my team last night. But I can't be mad at him because Duke's not even ranked anymore. So, so I'm happy about that. But Nick Sorrell. Nope. See? Nope. Yeah, yeah. I- Swear to God, I had it. Like listening to the last one, I was like, "Oh, I've got it now." Nope. It rhymes yeah, with I'm squirrel. A... <laughs> Why is it so hard? <laughs> I thought you guys were my friends, but I, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I've been enjoying Coach's Corner. We've we've uh, enjoyed our, our bro time, hanging out and chatting. Uh, but this month, we're going to talk about programming, uh, programming, and creating things specifically for 
gener- gen pop versus athletes. Uh, we've talked both about you know sort of training everyone like an athlete. We're going to talk about the differences that uh, we've had or others have had in both uh, you know fields. So whoever wants to start, uh, go ahead and talk about you know sort of your experience. Uh, who I mean, Nick, I know you we you know you've done college athletes, but has anyone done anyone outside of, of, of college, high school, professional? I'm training high school mostly right now and some middle school. Okay, I train quite a few high school. So out so let's uh, now outside of let's say football or baseball or basketball, do you guys train anyone that does like? You know, I know you're a swimmer, Travis, in the past, but mm-hmm. anything like volleyball, swimming, hockey, hockey, lacrosse, soccer. Yeah, I got a, I got a lacrosse kid. Yeah. Uh, what are the so in even with the high school athletes? You know, what are the different things you have to take into account when it comes to creating? I mean, obviously, a baseball player is going to be different than a football player, and a basketball player is going to be different than you know, a football player, but if they play two sports, how does your training work for either sport? Does that, <laughs> I think that's, that's a, a very specific question. I think we, we could even start out by saying like, what is the basic difference between training an athlete and training a person in the general population? And so, like you said, when you're training someone who's just a regular average Joe, you're still going to treat them like an athlete, but their goals are going to be different. So their goals are probably going to be more physique based um, or fat loss, or maybe, maybe that's one in the same. And when you're working with an athlete, the only thing that's really important is to get them better at their sport and more resistant to injury. And so, yeah, these people are still going to want to, probably have big muscles if they're teenage men and also they might need to lose fat or gain weight um, but the primary thing is performance and as a result of that like you're not you're probably not going to do a lot of single joint exercises uh, you're probably going to have to do more speed and power and locomotion stuff whereas with the average person they don't necessarily need as much of that um, and the average person probably isn't ready for as much of that as somebody walking into the gym who's 15 years old and already plays soccer, basketball, football, baseball, whatever, um, who can already knows how to skip and can do box jumps without looking like a seal. So that's just some of my general ideas. Okay. Um, Lot to a lot, a lot to sort of to work from there. Um, you, so I, I guess talk a little more, Travis, about you know experience that that you've had, and um, you know, you're right that you're you're trying to get them to perform better. And we, I think, a lot of times as coaches, uh, you know, we talk about our own performance. Because um, I, I thought about this the other day. What am I really training for besides like to build sexy muscle that no one That's it. except for me like really cares about? Like my wife and, is like whatever. And numbers. Yeah. Sexy yeah. And, muscle and, 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 and obviously we say the we're try even if your goals are physique based, we're probably going to put some performance measure so that one when you get to the physique goal, it's like, oh shit, what do I do now? 
Um, instead, you are focusing on getting like increasing strength, and then you can always focus on that so that the physique comes as a byproduct of that. But the biggest thing I think for the athletes is the biggest difference I think is going to be in exercise selection. So like at, at the gym I'm working at right now, which is Endeavor Sports Performance in New Jersey, we train a lot of younger athletes and nobody does any overhead pressing um, because you don't necessarily need it. And for people who play overhead sports, that's not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We do like things like landmine presses. Um, we might, we might do some kettlebell presses, but you half kneeling pressing at all. Oh yeah. 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 Half kneeling landmine usually, but yeah. like, no, nobody's doing barbell squatting unless they're college or high school athletes and their program requires it. Um, but we're mostly doing like goblet squats and a lot of stuff in half kneeling. Uh, definitely dumbbell bench pressing, occasionally barbell bench pressing. Um, but like, you know, if you if you were training the general population, you'd be like, yeah, let's front squat and yeah, let's. Uh, barbell deadlift we more often than not use a hex bar instead of a barbell just because it's easier to coach easier to learn uh, and you get the same benefits mostly and it's not about the bar because you're never going to have to do that in competition it's just uh, an aid for performance so that's that's the key thing okay um so I, you know it's half kneeling like landmine presses um because as you're talking about it, you know, I'm I'm thinking about, well, you know, when I program for for gym pop, you know, we're doing overhead pressing um, for people that are listening that might, you know, sort of have that experience. Can you explain to them why overhead pressing is not necessarily ideal for sure. athletes who have overhead movements? Yeah, well, quite simply, most people probably shouldn't overhead press because they and I don't want to, I don't want to say it like that. Most people probably aren't ready to overhead press yet because they probably can't lift their arms up over their heads without their ribs flaring up or their, uh, their lower back arching. And so if you can't get into the position unloaded, then you really have no business loading that movement. And so there's a lot that goes into building up the mobility to be able to do that. And so that's like a long-term process and you can just shortcut it by not requiring that in the gym. So that's for anybody, general population or athlete. But with athletes especially, it's just kind of a, a risk factor that's not necessary when you can do other things to build the same qualities. Any, anyone else? Yeah. Um, Go, Nick. Oh, thanks, man. Um, so... As far as, like, training athletes, there's going to be a huge, like, variance just based on the level of athlete you're working with. So with, like, a high school kid, especially a high school kid, especially an average one, right, uh, it's going to be a lot different than how you would train a high-level Division One athlete, right, just because they're way different specimen, right? Uh, so the college athlete, it really, honestly, like, it doesn't matter so much what you do as long as you keep them healthy. A lot of these dudes are genetic freaks, so they're going to become yep. athletic and they're going to see good results almost in spite of whatever you do, right? 
Uh, so your main job is to keep them healthy. Uh, with a high school athlete, you want to keep them healthy also, but you want to push the performance. Uh, so there's going to be a huge disparity there. Uh, branching that over into general population, there you'll use a lot of the same things. At least I do. Um, like I have general population squat. I have my athlete squat. The big thing is that you never have anybody do it who isn't ready for it, kind of like how Travis was talking about. Um, so you want to make sure that the athlete fits the person. That's going to change a whole lot based on you know who you're working with, the age, the goals, stuff like that. Uh, where it really changes the most, which I think is what everybody's kind of saying, I think it's kind of it's kind of simplistic, is that general population they're really worried about how they look more so than the athlete, right? Uh, the athlete wants they're there for their sport. Some are forced to be there. Some are looking for the extra, you know, I don't know, games or whatever, push them over the edge. Um, but that's really just the biggest change between the two is one's kind of aesthetic and one's more athletic. And you kind of have to accommodate that in your programming. But realistically, like, a lot of, I'll still use a lot of the same things between the two. Like, I'll have my, you know, my general population, I'll have them do mobility work and stuff to keep them healthy, obviously. And I'll have my athletes curl because boys like to curl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, so... There, there are differences, but there, there, are, there is a whole lot of like, I don't know, a lot of similarities between the two. Also, Matt, you haven't you haven't chimed in in yet. <laughs> I mean, they've done a great job explaining it so far. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely. I think when you're saying like general population cares more about how they looks, like that's I found that to be huge. And I think you know, in my experience with athletes, you can kind of get away with doing more exercises that you know we're going to be useful even if they don't really enjoy it versus with the general population. You kind of have to give them at least a little bit of what they want. I think that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if you have a general population and they say they want like bigger arms, you got to throw in some bicep curls, you know. Even if there's better ways, you got to give them what they want or else they're going to leave. (laughs) Yeah. Which is an an athlete will usually trust you and sometimes they're forced to be there. As as soon as you, like with an athlete, if they come in, especially if they have nagging aches and pains, as soon as you – help them with that pain, then they implicitly trust you from there on out and they'll do whatever you tell them. Whether it's, you know, lying on your back and breathing with your feet on the wall or uh, doing whatever else you say because they want to get better at their sport and they know that you are like the gatekeeper to that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a a good point. Um, I think as soon as, as soon as anyone sort of sees any sort of results, um, yeah, they're, because every, everyone's a little apprehensive, you know, um, especially with gen pop, because we've all experimented and failed and not seen success. And you wonder if this person is ever going to get you to where you want to be. And why would I trust a guy with yeah, red hair? Yeah. Why would you? Why? <laughs> you shouldn't. I, you yeah. shouldn't. We are an abomination <laughs> of the genetic pool, um, to be honest. Um, but so I wanted to go back to this for people that are listening that sort of are in that gen pop, I want to go back to the overhead movement. A lot of us, um, or a lot of people listening may do their own programming. They may not have a coach. They may just do things they find online. Um, what can they do to give themselves a, a test to see if they really are mobile enough to actually do overhead movements? Um, you know, what, what sort of assessments the, do you guys use? The easiest thing to do for yourself is just to, Line yourself up against a wall with your butt on the wall. Tighten your abs so that your back is flat on the wall and raise your arms overhead. And if you can touch the wall with your thumb, 
then you press overhead. You're good to that's go. That's exactly that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. One other yeah. one other one I like to do, I stole this from Eric Cressy, is I like to have people do what's called a forearm wall slide. Yeah. So you basically just stand facing the wall and you've got like six inches between you and the wall. And uh so basically you throw your forearms up onto the wall and then you raise at like a 135 degree angle. You push up, keeping your forearms on the wall the entire time. Um, and you're really trying to make that movement happen solely from the shoulder blades. So you're letting those shoulder blades kind of move freely without letting your rib cage flare up. Um, it's kind of it's kind of weird and abstract to hear it described. So I would definitely Google a forearm wall slide if you're listening to this. It'll, it'll be the show notes. Then get that at cyclistfitness.com backslash podcast. Find the coach's corner for February, and I'll have the, the link to Eric Cressy's video. Well, there you go. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and that's even that's that's actually even just a mobility exercise that I do literally before every single upper body workout. Yeah. 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 I, I usually put, uh, I like, I mean, it's basically from, from Cressy Sports, but Tony does, uh, Gentle Core does. He does it on the on the ground, like having you lie on your back, yeah, which I absolutely. think for some people is a lot less intimidating. Um, well, it's also gravity assisted. Yeah, it's gravity nice. assisted. And it's so much easier to say suck your belly button into the floor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to do that. And and I, most clients I ha- I've had have actually been mobile enough to actually do it. I really I like that mobility exercise too because you can do it at home if you don't have access to yep. any weights. And it's a good external rotation exercise. Like you could pair it with push-ups, and you're kind of getting your pull with your push. Yeah, even yeah. Because it's hard to find a pulling exercise when you don't have anything to pull, anything heavy. Yeah, and- I uh, I found a good regression of that recently since you guys are talking about it. Because uh, like you know, like whenever you, I'm not sure if you guys ever have had this happen, but. You have a client go to do that, and they just can't get their palms like back to the wall. Almost nobody can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so like, what? Uh, I, I don't know. This may be really basic, but I just stumbled across the other day. Um, I, I have them hold like a PVC pipe, and you can do it with like a broomstick too. And you have them attach their elbows to the wall, and just kind of grease the groove or whatever, pulling, trying to bring that stick back to the wall as far as they can, and just kind of hitting that pattern. Does that make sense at all? No. All right. Send me a video and I will put it in the show notes as well. And then yeah. you're on the I, I had somebody show it to me the other day and it like it I don't know, I don't know it's I don't understand mobility shit as well as I should, I guess. So, like it's one of those things that like it has a big bang for your buck. Like uh you see people make progress with it really quick. A few weeks go by and all of a sudden they can get their arms back there. Part of it is that people don't know that their wrists are off. So I think what you're saying is like adding some sort of stimulus that they can maybe see or feel better. Yeah, 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 the proprioception, yeah. Mm. I I also I want to kind of go back on what I said before. Like I don't want to vilify overhead pressing. And I was like about said, to go there. Yeah. yeah, like you said, Robbie. Like you have tons of people who can do it. What, Travis? We lost you. Well, really quick because Travis is gone, um, and I we were his audio went out. (laughs) Travis and I are like on the same page all the time. So, um, but I, uh, yeah, not to vilify overhead pressing because I over the overhead press is like actually one of my favorite moves of probably all time um, for upper body work. 
So, and I love it for building just like pure horsepower, like in your upper body. So if you can overhead press and your ribs aren't like staring straight at the ceiling and you're not putting a ton of pressure on your lower back, then by all means, knock it out. Just work in mobility work like the forearm wall slides and whatever kind of dark magic Nick is talking about. And <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll be better because of it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've actually, to go back on the, uh, the shoulder blades thing, one of the things that I have learned from uh, Master Kenneth Wally over the last few months uh, is some things that he has sent me on, you know, when you do your shoulder warm-ups, you know, really focusing on letting the shoulder blades begin the motion. Because I think a lot of times you, when people do a shoulder movement, it's always like, okay, the shoulder need like you move right at the shoulder because most of us don't have a good idea that our shoulder blades are even there because we're hunched over all the time. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing it with myself and with clients, you know, really focusing and standing there and being like, okay, you know, you're going to, you're going to hinge over at the waist and we're going to do, you know, a, a Y motion with our thumbs going out and I'm going to put my hands right here on your shoulder blades. I want those to be what make that movement. Don't let your shoulders raise. And most everyone gets it when you touch it and they, they can feel it. Um, and <laughs> it wakes up some muscles they haven't they haven't felt in a long time, um, but I think that you know overhead pressing I love it. Um, I have not benched really at all in the last sixteen weeks, and I've grown my chest and my shoulders basically from doing. Just a quick note: there are a couple of technical difficulties I had. Skype decided to quit on me while recording, so there will be some bumps and jumps in between the next few sections. <laughs> well, fun Skype. Killed us on that one. All right, so we were talking about overhead pressing uh, and uh, sort of why you should not sometimes do it and sort of what you can uh, – motions you can do on your own at home or in the gym to make sure you have the mobility to do overhead pressing. Uh, what are what are your all's favorite shoulder exercises or mobility drills or whatever that you like have most people do regardless of shoulder health? I mean, I like I'm with you guys. I think the biggest thing, because I always worry about it with overhead pressing, is making sure that you don't uh, flex your spine too much. I always get so confused with the spine about flexing and extending and what does what. That, damn it, Travis's mic is not working. <laughs> <laughs> Skype just hates us right now. Like it hates everything we're trying to do. <laughs> Second technical difficulty of the night, and we're back. Okay, so we were talking about doing lower trap raises for the shoulders, so bent over, raising your arms up in a Y. Great exercise for getting your lower traps to activate, which is going to upwardly rotate the shoulder blades on your back. And that's the problem that most people have is that they – haven't raised their arms up over their head in years so that their so their shoulder blades aren't upwardly rotating. And then when they try to raise their arm up over their head, the subacromial space isn't there's not enough space for everything going on in there to move and they get a pinch and they get oh, ow and then they keep trying to do that and it hurts more. And then they're like, shoot, I have like impingement syndrome. And then they never overhead press again. And it's only because they didn't do the prerequisite mobility exercises and 
like rotator cuff exercises that they needed to do in order to overhead press. So overhead press is not a bad exercise, and it's also a great core exercise, which Robbie was saying, but it might have got, got been <laughs> cut off because it's an anti-extension anti exercise. Yes. So you're basically isometrically crunching the whole time when you have heavy weight over your head. So I love overhead press, but it's not for everybody. No. Uh, and if you do it, as I was trying to say, make sure you squeeze your abs, your core, uh, your brace, and, and your butt. Like that whole, like you're about yeah. to, basically imagine that you're doing, if you've ever done an RKC plank or my Tetris planks, basically you're just doing an upright standing uh, plank. What's your Tetris plank? Uh, so the Tetris planks are a combination of RKC planks, 15 seconds at that, and then you flip over and do side planks for 15 seconds, again, squeezing everything, including the glute to get that, that rise. Then you go back to the other side for the side plank, so you look like the one L bracket and then the other L bracket in Tetris, back to a regular plank, and then you do um, mountain climber planks with keeping your hips low. Where's the L? The the L is the side. So when you're on your side, your hands up, you get the body, the L. Oh. Yeah, and the straight piece is the regular plank. And then the weird, like, ziggy-zaggy pieces are when you do the mountain climbers. That's brilliant. I wrote about <laughs> it last year. It's pretty intense. That's brilliant. Uh, that's a good time. I, do you guys, after playing Tetris, do you guys, like, find yourselves playing Tetris in your heads? All the time. You're not playing? Yes. Yeah, I can't play because I'm just then I'm just playing. Everything becomes Tetris. Like if I yeah. go into the kitchen and I'm like silverware, do do do. Like I start singing the like as I'm like putting it. Yeah. Yeah, and Tupperware that like stackable Tupperware. Oh, it gets even worse. God, when did I become an adult? Um, and a boring one at that. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, Tetris is. No, I, far it, from boring. No, it's it's not. Uh, it's actually wasn't there a, a study once done by a doctor saying, where it was pong, I think, uh, pong or Tetris, but like playing them before like a surgery helped doctors perform better or something. Really, or make better decisions. There's something about that. Um, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to start playing Tetris before I go to any party ever. <laughs> the problem is then you'll never go to the party. Actually, yeah. you know, a great place to play That's Tetris, true. a great place to play Tetris is at your local gym when you re-rack your weights properly. <laughs> That's <Aww>. true. <laughs> because, yeah, too many times you go to get a plate when you're training a client and you're like, why is there a 25? Over and the two and a half. <laughs> You guys, I came to a shocking realization today as I was cleaning up at the end of the night. There would be no such thing as cleanup if everyone just put everything back where they found it. Dude, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent working at the front desk thinking this exact same thing. <laughs> like, cool, if all of these members would just rack their shit, I, wouldn't, I would be gone by now. Right. <laughs> but then you wouldn't have a job. And... No, dude, because my job was to greet you as you walked in to say, hey, uh -oh. have a great workout. And then another part of the job was to rack your weights and clean up after you. Like, ah, man. Did you know everybody's name? Was that part of your job? Uh, I did know a lot of people's name. Yeah. Um, and I, I name. worked. Just Robbie, Robbie's been there. I mean, it's yeah. a big facility. Um, we've, facility. We've got like 10,000 members. And I knew a lot of people's names. Um, 
I don't not ten thousand names, but a lot. Well, the, the whole purpose of the gym is for people not to come in anyway, right? <laughs> that's 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 point of fitness. Yeah. So, yeah. Of, of yeah. the ten thousand, like it's really probably two hundred. Yeah, yeah, that that is kind of the gym business model. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, I don't even remember. Oh, we were talking about Tetris and putting. Yes. So uh, challenge: be the nice person at the gym and re rack your weights. Don't don't be that person who who doesn't. As much as it is a pain in the butt when someone does put a twenty five in front of a two and a half, at least you've re racked the weights and you haven't left them on the floor, or you couldn't move it to like quarter of an inch to put it onto the pipe. Yeah, you know what's like, worse than that is whenever someone you know is going for a world record in a deadlift and they uh, they leave their shit on the bar. <laughs> oh, always. <laughs> you guys know the trick for taking weight off the bar, though, right? Yeah, two and a half, Eric, man. Call Eric Bach and let Eric do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And if actually, this is a great tip for anyone who who has problems getting it off. Take a two and a half or even a five pound plate. <laughs> Tanner, just <not. laughs> if you have problems with that, and I will tell you, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> and he's only eating seventeen hundred calories. Um, uh, with those problems, go see a doctor. However, for the problem of getting weight off for a deadlift. Uh, or anything where the bar is on the ground, take a two and a half or a five pound plate, slide it up under, roll the plates up onto that weight, and then you can just slide all the plates off, and then you're good to go. Well, you slide all the plates off on one side, and then you can take the bar and push it up and leave. If that's the Brett Contreras way, um, which is which is good. Uh, again, all those videos, show notes, sidequestfitness.com backslash podcast. Uh, all right, so again, we're talking about training, uh, you know, gym population versus athletes, um, you know, and training different athletes and sort of uh, how programming is different uh, for that. Does it I'm, even... ready, I'm ready to make an on-topic contribution to the discussion. Okay, do it. So when we're talking about athletes, there's this thing called the long-term athletic development model, which basically is the idea that well, first of all, let's backtrack and say that young kids can train. Yes. Um, and so the, the framework is that you teach young kids how to move when they're 10, 11, 12, 13. And so then by the time that they're high school age and they're expected to be lifting heavy stuff, they already know how to hip hinge, how to squat, how to change direction. And so then you can just put weight on the bar and say go as opposed to getting somebody in for the first time when they're freshmen in high school and they've they don't know how to push their hips back without rounding their back i i so, just saw it last week yeah uh, so then a, then you're trying to teach them how to move as you're trying to load the movement and it's just a recipe for disaster yep so the idea is like you take them from a young age and teach them proper mechanics and then you very gradually progress over uh, maybe maybe years, um, but and of course it's not like a you don't progress by time. You progress when they own the movement that you're asking them to achieve. Um, but then the really cool part is that those same progressions that we're talking about, like a unweighted hip hinge to a kettlebell elevated deadlift to a deadlift from the floor to a hex bar deadlift to a barbell deadlift to a power clean, that 
same progression that you apply to young kids aged starting like 12 to then when they're 18 and that you want them to deadlift 500 pounds is the same progression that you would use for any general population client regardless of their age. Yes. Agreed. Uh, on the hip hinge, I do want to throw this out there. Uh, I One, it's very, I've noticed this. Maybe it's only because they tend to be have a better understanding of their hips. Teaching uh, a lot of my female clients yep. how to hip no hinge, doubt. there's no basically doubt. two things I, te- I, I, I give them for cues. One, put your hands on your hips and imagine that your your hips are a piece of paper and you're folding them. And they, they catch on to that fairly, fairly easily. Or my favorite is I ask them, have you seen the movie Legally Blonde? And most of them are like, oh, sure. Okay, you're going to bend and snap. And when I say bend and snap, almost every single one of the women I train go, oh, perfect hip hinge and RDL like at that moment. Do you think you can find that on YouTube? I can find it on YouTube. I'm actually going to write an article (laughs) about it. Uh, that's great that's because, golden well, because like last week like I'm, I'm at the at the college gym and and someone uh obviously it's a, it's a gym class of some kind and i'm watching him teach you know people how to do like one arm dumbbell rows i'm not going to say anything i'm just there getting a free workout and i'm watching some of the guys and it's like guys don't know they have hips and it, and it was like, he, like they're rounding their back and like one guy, he's like, Oh, so I do this. And his like leg is going up. Like, I don't even know. How. So if you're a guy, one of the most important things you can learn is the hip hinge. Yep. I'll tell you a cue that I, I use a lot and it's retarded, but I'll take someone next to a wall, you know, like, and have them step away from it. Yep. Uh, and I tell them literally, I just say like, go touch your ass to the wall. Yeah. And, 90% of the time it clicks instantly. Yeah. I still like Mark Fisher's that you have a hungry butthole and I imagine that it's like a hungry hippo and I'm like just it's a hungry hungry hippo. That's you're you're pushing I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he he taught and one of the things that Mark Fisher does, he's talking about like you have a hungry butthole and you have to like push it back and I'm like okay, like a hungry hungry hippo. Um kind of works. But a yeah, a lot of times with the the kids that we train even if you tell them, like, slight knee bend, have your torso inclined forward, they don't get it until you put your hands on them Yeah, and just, like, lift their hips up and make sure they keep a flat back while allowing their torso to come forward. Yeah. Um, another another cue, and I put this up on, on Facebook as well, that uh, Adam and Duggan and I were talking about in Tennessee uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, is when you go down to grab a barbell specifically for, like, a sumo deadlift – uh, go down and assume the position of an angry gorilla. So if you think well, about it, like, and if you just tell that to a kid, like, like with a kettlebell, all right, there's a kettlebell right in front and just say, grab the kettlebell and get in a position like you're an angry gorilla. And all of a sudden, like their hips are back, their chest is high. Um, that's and, cool. Yeah. Uh, actually well, works. Oftentimes I think too, like you, you try to get somebody to deadlift and it looks terrible. Like even before you ask them to pick the weight up, just have them do a few reps where they're hinging at the hips and going down as if to pick up the kettlebell, mm-hmm. but just holding that bottom position. Yep. So you make sure that they can do that before they then try to pick it up. Cause you obviously, you have to have the start position right before you 
are able to dynamically complete the lift. Yeah, because people so sl- get, slowing it down like that is important. getting getting the body weight down to to the hip hinges is easy for a lot of people. Once they feel the weight, then they want the low back to sort of come into it. Um, do you have you noticed like with young athletes that that's a hard motion to to teach the hip hinge? The younger they are, the usually the easier they can get it. Yeah, it's it's often like if you get especially men older gentlemen in their 30s 40s who have never done it before it's it can be very difficult and sometimes in my experience they they just don't get it they they might be able to get it for a kettlebell deadlift but like their swing will never look well yeah yeah and maybe that's a fault of mine as a coach (laughs) that i can't teach them to swing or it's just like if you don't use it you lose it and especially for men um, like for, like you said, for some reason, women seem to have a better knack for it. So Matt, I know you've been, you've been, you've been pretty silent <laughs> back there. Uh, do you have, do you have anything to teach, you know, when it comes to, to the hip hinge? Cause I, I, I really do. I think once you learn that movement, um, you know, male or female, so many other things in the gym, you know, your squat will get better, uh, because you, you start that. The hips back motion, you know, you can get people to find it. Like, we're not bending to the knees, get the hips back first. The deadlift can get better. Um, you know, you teach people that, you know, if you're picking something up at home, you can pick it up in this fashion and you're going to be healthy. You're not going to pull with your back. Are, are there cues you use? Um, I normally use what we were just talking about, the standing up straight and pushing your butt back to touch the wall. <laughs> I found that to work best. Um, I don't have anything besides that. No. I, I totally just remember the one that Ben Ben Bruno uses. Um, guys, yeah, imagine busy. that. <laughs> well, no, because it's great because we're talking about hips and guys don't know how to use okay. their hips. Well, guys, the one thing when you're that. having sex that you need to be using, uh, you know, for better sexy time is your hips. Uh, but Ben Bruno says to imagine that you're trying to pee with a boner. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. So that, that is really hard. That's yep. amazing. So if you're a dude and if you're a dude and like you you have trouble with with like a hip pinch, you just think about trying to pee with a boner and it like immediately like I whispered it in <laughs> one of my clients ears. We were in the middle of the YMCA and I'm like I whisper it and he was like I got gotcha. you. Perfect hip pinch. <laughs> since, I can do that. Off, yeah. Since we've gone <laughs> off the deep end here a little bit, I think it was Brett Contreras who wrote the the like 90 different reasons why training women is different than training men. And the, the one thing that he noticed was that women hip hinge better. And he said it was because it was they're customized to that position from sex. Uh, you know what? That's, that's, but why? I'm just playing. <laughs> that's funny. I don't know. I mean, I guess. That, that was, I'm pretty sure that was his explanation. So take it or leave it. Uh, I mean, I was just going to say they genetically probably feel better. I, I, they have hips. They have the birth Dude, babies. Like they... they they, it's because of sex. We're just going to leave <laughs> well, that. Okay, <laughs> that actually, no, I'll take it to dance. Cause most guys don't take dance classes. And I'll tell you one thing. If you ever get to train a dancer, it's one of like, as, as a per, like teaching them how to lift is almost the easiest thing in the world. You don't have to they, do anything. Yeah. You don't have to do anything yeah. at all. Like dancers, they, they understand how their hips move. They know how their, their legs, like they just know yeah. how to move. And it's just they like have a ton of mobility. Yeah. They already know how to squat. They yep. are. They can jump like through the roof. It's it's the most yeah. amazing thing. Yeah, and so any, they're I good think, athletes. Yeah, yeah. I think any 
buddy who like wants their young son to be a good like football player or soccer player, they should just put their kid in ballet. Yeah. No, yes. I, gymnastics, some shit like that. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Same same deal with gymnastics. Yeah. Um, I mean, dude, the opening scene of Pumping Iron, freaking Arnold and uh, is it Franco? They're like taking they're taking ballet. And they're doing it for posing practice, but regardless, like huge carryover benefit. Well, and I, but I, I think we're going into an area that, that will work for athletes, and you know, talking about training athletes and you know, gen pop is that you know a lot of people now, in and I saw it as I started to get older, people were playing one sport. That's it. You know, you're you're a basketball player, you're a football player. There wasn't a lot of two yeah. sport athletes. You know, you saw it a lot more, you know, in, in some college athletes, you know, like Deion Sanders played like three sports, you know, uh, you, you even had like, I mean, if you consider NASCAR a sport, I think it's kind of an endurance sport because you got to sit in a car and do all that crazy stuff. You know, like people who were, who would do like the Indy 500 and then get on a plane and do NASCAR like two hours later, uh, like multi-sports helps in so many aspects, but now people yes. just play one. But I think it goes in the gym pop as well, like doing more than just lifting, yoga, ballet, ballroom dancing, like dancing is body weight training. So yeah. is yoga. Yeah, I think you have a lot. Of, yeah. I think I think a lot of people do get too stuck in like one plane of thought, I guess. And especially like with athletes, like it, anybody can look back at their high school days. The best athlete at your high school played all the sports almost mm-hmm. like every single time. Right. Or even uh, he only played it, one, he did other things besides that one sport. Right. It may be like you go to play pickup, he's a football player, and you go to play pickup basketball, and you're like, dude, you're sick. Like, there's a reason for that, right? All these other sports teach you things. Um, and the same thing goes with general population. That's the reason that you have your clients do mobility before they lift, or that or you have them do cardio on their off days. You know, all these things help in different ways, and neglecting one isn't going to help you. It's just going to hold you back. Yeah. Yeah. I think the hard thing becomes with the multi-sport athletes or the kid or regardless of whether they're playing two sports or one when they're playing sports year round is how to structure their training when there's no off season and there's just the stress of practice and competition year round. And that that's a, a difference from general population because general pop often the only thing that they're doing for exercises coming and seeing you. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, a, really, that's, a, good that's point. a big programming consideration that is very, very tough to work around. But, you know, usually also we're talking about younger athletes. They generally have a higher threshold for recovery. They're going to be oh, able to, no doubt. They're going to be able to take way more of a beating, for lack of a better term, and come back from it and be and adapt. Yeah, I see kids who come to the gym and they're there for two hours and then they go play their sport and they're back like a day or two later. Like yeah, nothing happened. Yeah. And like that would destroy anybody older than twenty-five. <laughs> I have this really bad feeling that I'm gonna wake up on my thirtieth birthday. It's like the world is gonna be completely turned over and different, and I'm gonna be like, ah, why Dude, does it no. feel so much worse? I turned twenty-five, my Achilles just started hurting, man. <laughs> <laughs> like serious, like it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is when you get young kids with all, like a lot of aches and pains in there. Like I tell you, a lot of those people that you, a lot of the kids with the aches and pains are the single sport athletes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. 
Yeah, because they're just used to making. So in in that case, you have to pay a lot of attention to adequate warm up and getting them to do mobility and like obviously proper form goes without saying, but getting them to focus on recovery as much as the stress of training. Yeah, which is hard, especially a lot of a lot of you know, single sport athletes and baseball, especially. You have so much pressure from you know, youth league coaches or their dad or whoever, you know, having them do like just outrageous stuff that it like sometimes it's difficult to get them to really value rest and recovery because everybody's mm-hmm. kind of in the mindset that more is better. Uh, so it, it, it is really difficult to kind of pound that into their head. I want us to talk a little more about rest and recovery here for uh, athletes and gen pop as well, because programming in rest, I hate. I despise rest days. One of my one of my clients who is, I swear, if 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 anyone in the world could have someone who works as hard as this guy, like coaching would it like amazing. But he'll text me and he's like, "Can I can I go do something today?" Okay, can, can and I'm like, "What? Take it take a rest day." And he's like, "Man, don't you love this? That like I'm asking you if I can work out." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." And I hate rest days. Like I hate rest days. I want to do it. I like I like being there. But will you let him go on a walk or are you? Just, like, uh, yeah, he'll yeah. he he bike he bikes to work. So I I kind of sort of count that. Uh, and he'll walk as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he's really itching, I'll be like, "Fine, go do your arm day. Go go get some curls in. Go go yeah. get that arm pump, and then you know take the weekend off." Um, but I, how do you program in rest and recovery, especially for for athletes who are, you know, like you, like you guys said, I, when I grew up, when you know, growing up, it was soccer in the spring, and then I overlapped with baseball for at least two weeks. So I'm at practice like five nights a week, and then it was baseball, and then that ended in August when soccer started again in the fall, and then that overlapped with basketball, and then basketball overlapped with with soccer. I mean, I was playing sports all year round. So how do you you know, when you're eight or nine or ten, eh, you're going to recover in no time. But how do you how do you program in recovery for for athletes or gen pop? Uh, for athletes, especially if they're having like overlap, a lot of at, like young athletes, you won't have that often. Like they just won't have the time to get in. You know, training sessions like that. Yeah. Uh, so whenever you have them, you know, you're trying to get a lot done in a really short amount of time. Um, and then it's just really just talking to them because you can't really control what they do. Their schedules are hectic. And when it really comes down to, especially with youth athletes, it's what their parents say they're going to do, you know? Um, so you just really try to emphasize that it is important. Like on Sunday, just chill, you know, play video games, do, get caught up on your homework, <laughs> do whatever. Um, I know you like the video games, Robbie. Um, so it, it's it, yeah, for like youth athletes. Entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For youth athletes, it's really hard to program in scheduled rest because it's hard to, like, make up for the schedule. For gen pop, it becomes a little bit easier uh, just because a lot of people won't be available to work out, you know, every single day with you or even on their own. Uh, so you just schedule it in. And if you have somebody like you have with the, you know, that have the, it has the itch to work out all the time, I found it's kind of it's kind of helpful to give them, like, optional cardio days or optional active recovery days. And this program, like, you know, some kind of real low-intensity cardio. Some that, if they really want to go do it, they can. But they don't have to. I act I, – I mean, along with what Nick is saying, like, for that – I mean, it's spot on for the athletes. Like, they're just not going to really have that option. 
And for gin pop, like if people want to get in and do stuff, like I'll generally actually have them get in and do movement practice. And like maybe some, maybe I'll have them do like 20 minutes of like some really low intensity cardio, get their blood flowing. And then I'll have them do like movement practice. You know, they may, they may practice something like a Turkish get up or different mobility drills that are ground based. So that way they've got to, they're doing some work, their heart rate gets up and it's something that's not going to impact their recovery or or negatively impact their training sessions later in the week, it'll actually positively impact them. Yeah, yeah. that could be even better than doing nothing. Yeah. Right. I'm now writing this down. These will be mini quests that I send out and mini challenges uh, during the week. I'm also, also probably, my phone's probably going to blow up because my boy's going to hear this and be like, hey, hey, they said I can do other stuff. What can I do? Give me stuff to yeah. do. Also, <laughs> even it doesn't even have to be structured. Like you could just tell them to go like roll around. For, like for me, one thing that I did one recovery day, which actually turned out to be a like bitch of a workout, was like, all right, I'm gonna go like jog around the track, do some monkey bars and crawl. Which Ooh. then I was like, well, crawling's not hard enough. Let me do handstand walking. But that's beside the point. But I didn't have any structure. I just like went between those three things, however long I felt like, whatever order I wanted, and that I mean that. That was probably a good workout, but you can take that framework and regress it down to easier things that are going to help you feel better. So, so you're programming in fun, you know, fun things, fun things to do. Um, I, again, going to go back to Matt because he's. I, I want Matt to talk more. Um, when you do, how do you program in fun, or you know, even even for? Because I think Nick made a good point that athletes. They'll train. They don't really take the time. They don't do a lot of fun things. Um, you know, how do you program in fun? How do you let people know that, you know, go do these fun things. Don't worry about, you know, this or, or that. Like, go do something fun that, that you enjoy, you know, when they're so focused on looking better or so focused on, I need to get this scholarship. Um. Yeah, I don't give them specific things to do. I kind of like make, maybe give them like four or five training days, and the other days I'll tell them like if they have to do something, kind of what you guys have been saying, like do something that's not weightlifting. Like you can go play a sport, go for a walk, or go do some cardio. Like your movement prep is really good too. Um, I don't really make it a necessary thing though, which is probably something I should do. That's I'm learning a lot <laughs> on this call. But uh, no, I mean I just kind of leave it open, and I have some people you know who struggle to get those four workout days in at all but if someone's trying to like train every single day i just tell them like do what you want that's not um you know not weightlifting because i have clients who do like triathlons and are always doing mountain biking or running and i, I can't make them stop that so they yeah. put that on their off days so they're still doing something and they usually they adapt to it and recover eventually but um i don't program in specific fun things necessarily <laughs> okay. i probably should <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think like uh, the fact you give them like the option, I think is probably like a good idea, especially with, like you said, the people do all the biking and everything like that's perfect for an off day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, so just I, don't, I don't know. If... Go they ahead. need the option because they need to, and this for all of you listening, if you've got a coach or whatever, you need to take ownership of the program and everything. And, you know, having that option where you kind of decide what the hell you're going to do and whatnot, that's massively important to your success and your development overall. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it means a lot whenever you can go into the gym and make some shit happen 
without being directed every single time what you need to be doing. Yeah. That's a good and, point. And, yeah. That's and, a really good point. You can literally just go in foam roll, do some, do some stretching and do machines. Like just like literally just rep out. I mean, just to get those stretches and just take your time and just, you know, sort of get blood pumping. I mean, you, you can I love do, machines sometimes. I honestly, I do program in quite a bit of machines. I, th- on I think machines are really underrated and shit on way too much. Yeah, so I, I agree. Yeah, I, agree. I think I think machines are fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Thing, I, I love machines. <laughs> the only th- the only thing I hate about them is I swear to God, like Cybex will be like thirty, like forty pounds on Cybex is not forty pounds on some other company and then that 40 pounds is not the same 40 pounds like well it's 40 that's pounds what I, yeah, yeah that's what i tell people like i'm like don't even think of it as like poundage think of it as almost like the level on that machine yeah like, oh yeah you're a level 40 oh i'm a level 50 blah. <laughs> sometimes have you guys ever seen the ones Stealing where it's like from nick this this stack is what you will be pulling in each hand so it's actually <laughs> double what you stack the other day so i, I pin selected 100 and the dude tried to pull it down, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "Oh shit, my bad. That's actually 200." Oops. <laughs> like, don't feel bad. You, you can do 100. I'm just gonna put it at 50, so it is 100. <laughs> <laughs> Always underestimate the client, regardless yes. of whether yeah. it's an athlete or yes. a coach, so that then when it's easy, you can move them up rather than moving them down. Yep. That's a that's a sweet pro tip actually touche uh all right so we're getting near the uh the end of our time i think because hey, i want to add something calls. go ahead before you uh close this off so going back to the fun thing a great way to have fun and get your low intensity cardio in in a team setting is to play a game like wall ball yeah or yes. uh like even tag um it, and not only does that get your low intensity cardio well, it depends on what the game is. Sometimes that could be high intensity or like bouts of intervals, but it also incorporates the element of change of direction and agility at the same time as you're developing those cardiovascular qualities. Right. And dodgeball. dodgeball. If you're doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're doing things like dodgeball, kickball, yes. uh, wall ball, th- like you're moving muscles that you may not necessarily focus on when you're lifting weights mm-hmm. um, that can help improve your weightlifting watch Um, out though if your uh your sport is like cycling or swimming like when i would do that kind of thing during swim season i would be so sore because i never did anything on land after that that it was like like it ended up not being a good idea but depends (laughs) sort of like when you weightlift and then go swimming the next day and you're like oh right yeah exactly why why can't i do this i just bench press 300 pounds and you're trying to use it as low intensity it's not gonna fly yeah, yeah, it's it's completely completely different. Uh, so on that, I wanted I wanted to ask, what are some? Because we're we're older adult people now. Uh, what are some things that? Gen, <laughs> what are some things like that? Gen pop people can do, um, you know, for fun or sport like kickball, basketball, like what sort of leagues? What what fun things can can you do? Golf. Golf? Yes. Go okay. go walk nine or eighteen holes and play play some golf and tell me you haven't gotten a workout. And to be fair, I am a former competitive golfer 
Um, so I am a little biased, but like, and I still played like nine holes once a week, once every two weeks, but any gin pop person could benefit tremendously from golf. Even if you're riding, you could still benefit tremendously from what about mini golf. No. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I was going to say, if I'm playing golf, really, it's basically I just buy a bucket of balls, set them in the edge of the woods, and call it a day. Like, that's it. Like, that's golf for me because <laughs> I, I unfortunately had to uh, succumb to the rule once in uh, playing golf. Um, what about driving range? <laughs> no, for real. Like, dead serious. That's totally fine. Yeah, I mean, or batting cage. Think of, do what? Batting cages? Batting, yeah. yeah. Similar movement. I mean... Think about the movement that you're looking at here. Like you've got a lot of twisting action going on. You've got loading onto one leg, shifting balance to another. You've got a lot of coordination practice taking or going on. We're a lot of thoracic mobility. And two, if you're at a driving range, batting cage, or whatever, you're probably hammering balls, so your heart rate's going to stay up a little bit. Yeah. That's so. Nice. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Like when you talk biomechanics. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Travis just loves biomechanics. But yeah, but you're like you're not going to notice that you're getting this awesome workout, which is yeah. cool. Because like yeah. in, when you're in the gym, you're like, all right, I'm in the gym. But if you're playing baseball, like it's just you're just playing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's actually really. And this goes outside of fitness. I think recreational sports are important for anybody that can play them you know what i'm saying even if you're older they have senior leagues and all that stuff like because i think there's something that that's like, for you robbie yeah <laughs> something i think there's something that competition brings out of a person that you just don't really get nowadays as much as we're supposed to yeah and i think it's really good mentally and psychologically and all that stuff i don't know there's, there's something really really fun about lining up across a guy and making them your bitch for a couple seconds. So true. <laughs> As a matter of fact, so just today I was helping out with the boot camp class, and um, instead, like we were gonna do twenty on, forty off on the airdyne, and I was like, nah, screw that, let's have a race. So we only had five people, so I actually hopped in and I lost. I came in last. But it was really fun. We <laughs> just did, we did first group to two miles on the airdyne alternating what? every 0.2 miles. So it, it took five minutes. Actually, it took my group six, me and my partner. But, uh, like, I, I had done Airdyne earlier that day, and I didn't work nearly as hard as when I was trying to beat the two teams next to me. And, yes, like, yeah, yeah. That just, like, it kicked my ass. That's well, not, I feel like in the moment, like, and, and you guys, like, if you guys have played competitive sports, I'm sure most of you guys have, like, in the moment, it's like you can run faster, jump higher, you can work a lot harder. And I'm sure there's like a reason for that. Uh, so you do get a lot more done. And not only do you get a lot more done, but it's fun and it's exciting. So I think I think that's a huge, huge thing. There is uh, – I'm, I'm going to talk about that sort of sense of community you get that a lot of us miss out on when we're lifting weights because we all put headphones on and we basically are just islands amongst islands. Uh, there's an effect – I think it's the right name. I think there's a German name, Kohler, like the Kohler effect or something where like being around other people that are stronger, uh, like your brain sort of wants to imitate that because it's like survival of the fittest sort of thing. So you'll end up like, if you live with stronger people, you will get stronger just by being around them. 
Um, so a lot of times, like when you're in a competitive atmosphere or with other people, uh, uh, if you're competing in some way, you'll push yourself to go further because you don't want to be the weak one. Um, I'll, uh, I'll put that in the show notes, but I, I was doing research on an article once for that. It's like how I used to carry textbooks around with me, even though I wouldn't read them just cause like I thought, I thought it made me smart. <laughs> Maybe it's not like that, but it's not, not like that at all. Um, Matt, do you like fun sport things? Maybe that that you do. Uh, you know, I know you have clients that that bike or climb or do. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of my clients are either former do you do athletes anything? and still do it. I I love playing sports. Yeah, I try to play like flag football when I can or pick up basketball. Um, a lot of my clients have picked up martial arts. Not that I've yeah. told them to. Just a few have picked up, and like I'm pumped because I did martial arts for years growing up, and that's something you can always start. You know, like sports at any age, it's easy. You can just go and take a class, and it's really tough. And you learn how to move and roll and move in different directions. I think that's a great one. I think that's yeah, really underappreciated. I think that's going to be good too. Yeah, uh, I always wish my mom and dad would have let me take uh, martial arts. I think um, Tai Chi stuff like Tai Chi and Qigong should be mentioned in the same breath as yoga, yes. as like forms of meditation and relaxation and recovery. And also, like, just amazing movement skills. Yeah, and it allows, yeah, you're, you're learning how to move in your own body, which many people don't know how to do. Even, I, I'm not going to lie, even I don't really know how to move the best as I could. I tried doing bear crawls and I feel stupid. <laughs> oh, that's, so that's one thing that regardless of whether you're an adult, actually, no. I think if you're a gen pop adult, it's way harder to teach the reciprocal motion of the bear crawl than it is to a kid. Although yeah. kids also struggle, yeah. but it, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to tell them like you did this 40 years ago when you were a baby. Like you definitely, <laughs> you definitely could do this at one point. So the fact that you can't move your right hand and your left leg at the same time now, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I've got really short arms. So, <laughs> uh, Awesome. Well, I think this has been a, a good a good episode chatting about uh, the difference in, in programming and, and whatnot. I, I still think it's important to, to throw out that having some sort of athletic movement uh, in in gen pop and you know it, even if you do your own programming and create your own stuff, having some sort of quick, uh, fast, agile movement you know in a warm up, uh, you know, or on an off day. If you if you train heavy and strong, you know, three days a week, then have a couple of days where you focus on on power and agility um speed and are, power like yeah. are the number one things that decline as you age and if you can't if you don't have the power like literally the power to get up off the toilet like then you're in an old age home so i yeah. second yeah and and strength i mean strength definitely matters for longevity but you you need to train in all all aspects uh and learn the hip hinge uh basically <laughs> <laughs> so uh guys it's been a great code this corner anyone have anything uh they want to they want to say or, or share before we wrap up i second that everyone is an athlete too yes yeah, yeah that's very that's a very good point cool uh if you want to hear more about everyone being an athlete you can also check out the coach's corner from december yes from december where we chatted about uh no it was Yes, something like that. I'll link it in the show notes, sidequestfitness.com backslash podcast. Um, looking forward to March. I have a really, really good Coach's Corner coming for you guys uh, in March. I'm going to talk about something 
uh, very important uh, that I think a lot of people are going to start talking about and uh, want to get it out there so you guys can hear it. But uh, you're not even going to tell them what it is. I'll tell. They'll find out in March. They got to subscribe to the podcast, Jeez. and then they'll get it delivered straight to their iPhone or Android device if they listen on Stitcher or Podcast Republic or whatever they listen on, and and they'll have to wait for March to hear the, the suspense awesome is killing story. me. I know. What we in the biz call a tease. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, you're a tease. Uh yes, I know. All right, Tanner Bays, thank you for for coming on, Nick. Thank you for coming, Matt and Travis. Thank you guys again. And everyone, thank you again. Please leave a review over on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast and subscribe. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And we'll see you next month. If you want to get a plus three for intelligence, head over to www.audibletrial.com backslash sidequest and start your free 30-day trial of Audible.